The Lord is already here. He longs to encounter you even more than you want to encounter him today. So let's worship him in both spirit and truth this morning as we encounter him together.
Oh, oh, oh. 
we could do a little worshipful exercise together this morning. Just like everyone to close your eyes and hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. And we know that the Lord is with us in this space. We don't have to, to beg for his presence. He's not too busy. He's not forgetful. He's not sleeping. He's here and he's attentive to you right now. And I believe it's first John that says that God is love. And love is described as patient and kind. And what I would love for you to do with your eyes closed is to just picture the person of Jesus standing in front of you, looking into your eyes. And just focus on that. And I wonder what's in his eyes for you this morning. Is it patience? Is it kindness? Is it forgiveness? Is it safety? Oftentimes the thing that first comes into our heart and into our mind is a little nudge from the Lord. What is he speaking to you this morning? What gift does he wanna be for you this morning? Jesus, we lock our eyes with you. We stand here with you as children of the living God, as adopted sons and daughters of the living God.
Lord, Father, give us hearts like the children I just saw a few minutes ago running up here. Lord, uh, give us hearts that we want to run to you and be close to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, church. I am Matt Estes, the director of global outreach here at New Life Church. Uh, for many of you, this will probably be the first time you've seen me. Um, I am here to unapologetically recruit you to go on a mission trip or multiple mission trips. Um, and to do that, I want to communicate the why. And so I have two quick stories to share with you today. And I love these stories because they're about friends of mine that have famous people names. Uh, so that's always fun. Um, the first one is uh, my friend named Elvis. Yes, that's his real name. And if you doubt me on that, you can actually come talk to my other friend over here who's also Dominican. Um, but Elvis is a Dominican whom, in his own words, called himself a street punk. It's a rough translation. Uh, when he was 16 years old, he didn't care anything about God. He didn't want to come to know Christ. He didn't care about the church. But um, his local church was putting on a basketball camp, and Elvis loved basketball. So he goes to the camp, and uh, the camp was being put on by a mission team that came down actually from my hometown. And one of the coaches just poured into Elvis that week, um, loved on him, spent some time with him, and at one point in time sat him down and just said, you know, Elvis, you're a leader out there on that court. If you let God use that ability that you have, he's gonna do amazing things in your life. And he kind of blew it off at the time. He's like, whatever, you know? Um, but over time, Elvis would tell you that that planted a seed and that seed eventually grew into him coming to know Christ and eventually actually becoming the pastor of that very same church that held that basketball camp. The second story I wanna tell you about is uh, an intern that I had named Jessica Simpson, not the one you're thinking of, but yes, that's her real name. She came on a mission trip with my former mentor, um, whom I think it was a very, very good blessing that God put her on that trip. She would tell you that she was a militant atheist when she came on that trip, but she was a med student and it was a medical mission trip. She got off the plane saying, I don't want any of that Jesus stuff. She probably didn't say stuff. Um, and I don't want to pray for people. I'm just, I'm here to help people. By the end of the week, she not only was leading the team in prayer, but she got baptized at the beach by my former mentor. That would be enough if that were it. But four years prior to her getting into those baptism waters, her sister got baptized and her mother just owned her for it. Meaning Jessica got into those waters knowing that she's about to get on a plane and she may not have a family when she gets back. I met her a year later when she came and did her internship with us. She, in that year's time, had converted three of her other uh, militant atheist friends to, Christian, to Christianity. She was on the phone to the fourth one when I picked her up. She had her entire immediate family coming to church with her every, son, every Sunday. And the following November, she got back into the baptism waters to baptize her mother. I don't know what God's gonna do um, with you on a mission trip. I don't know the seeds you'll plant. <laughs> I wish I knew. I don't know what God's gonna do in your life, but I know God can do amazing things if you let him. Joe's getting ready to go with us to Ecuador uh, in about a year. If you guys would be willing to join him, we would love that. If that's not the trip for you, um, please come back and talk with us um, and maybe we can find one that is a good fit for you. Maybe God's putting something else on your heart and that's okay too. Um, if you would like to give, the giving information's right there. Um, let's pray. Lord, Father, open our hearts, open our minds to what it is that you want to teach us today. Um, help guide our steps, help direct us through our whole lives, not just today. But Lord, we pray that we would learn something here in this moment, um, just in your presence, um, that we'd be able to carry with us from here on out. In your name we pray. Amen.
Lord, we give you our yes again today. You can have it all. You are worthy, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, the kids can be dismissed to go to their classes. If you're new here, a special welcome to you. We have a gift for you, so make sure you get that from us at the welcome table. The rest of you turn and greet one another. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Good morning. There you are. Is everybody doing okay? You doing okay out there? You feeling okay? You know it's fall now. We got the crisp air out there. We got the leaves and the sweaters. And some of you are drinking the pumpkin spice latte things. Uh, That's fine. I don't drink that. I drink black coffee because I'm a real man. (laughs) Oh gosh, some of you aren't even smiling. That's okay. We're here to open the word of God. We're not here to giggle at my jokes. That's okay. Didn't mean to offend you. Uh, a couple people to just thank Matt uh, Estes was up here doing the offering moment, uh, representing our global and uh, department. Jessica Ward is also here. Hi, Jessica. Uh, she's, if you ever go on a mission trip, you'll be working with her and the itineraries and, and contacts that you'll be with. And uh, I do highly encourage you to go on a mission trip. I think everybody, if you're able uh, to go on a mission trip, you should. It takes a really long time nowadays to get your passport. So get your passport. Uh, last week, I got back from a trip from Nicaragua. And some of you are like, when's the next trip? Well, we're kind of already t- talking about uh, a trip to Ecuador a year from now. So maybe a year from now, October, uh, I-, I would love to go. I would love to lead that trip. Uh, it's already on the website. You can uh, talk to Matt and Jessica on your way out as you leave. Uh, They would love to answer questions about missionaries. Uh, The Myatts are in the house. The Pearsons are in the house. Sometimes the Jessons, I don't know where they're at, are in the house. We have missionaries on the field and they're here today. So anyways, today's our mission, unofficial, official mission Sunday. So I thought I would talk about missions just a little bit. Other announcements include, did you guys get this on your chairs? says Sound Minds. What is Sound Minds? It is a small group, Bible study, discussion, kind of support group for all things mental health starting, did you see the date? Starting tomorrow, right here. You're probably going to be in the upper room. Our middle school ministry is in there now. Don't worry, we'll clean it up. We'll fumigate it uh, before tomorrow night. 
6.30. It's, it's one of those groups. This, this will be our first one. And so you should come. You know, all the buzz right now. Everybody's talking about mental health. This small group will be answering the question, well, what's the church say? What's, what's the Bible say? Uh, what are tools we can have? Uh, talking about mental health, that's tomorrow right here, 6.30. Please come. It's our first one. It's going to be on uh, second and fourth Mondays from now on. But you should come tomorrow just to check it out. See if, the, oh, this is a group that I want to be a part of. Come tomorrow. Uh, I think those are your announcements. If you're taking notes, the title of today's sermon is God Always Provides. Can someone say amen if you agree to that? God always uh, provides. And we're going to open up the scripture today. We're going to look at a person, a character, who is one of my favorite characters. Uh, a top 10 uh, well-known Bible character in the Old Testament. Probably a top three, top five, maybe a top two character in the Bible. And I remember uh, weeks ago, months ago actually, when we as the pastors from the other uh, New Life Church congregations were talking about what book of the Bible should we talk about in the fall? Someone said the book of Kings, and it kind of got some traction. Yeah, maybe we should do Kings. I was like, man, that book is rough. Like, David gives the kingdom to Solomon. Solomon just takes it downhill from there. Uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam split the kingdom. You have Ahaziah, Amaziah, Hezekiah, Uzziah, other Zayas, just all one after another with very few exceptions doing evil before the eyes of the Lord. And then you get finally at the end of the book of Kings to this character we're going to talk about today. And we'll talk about him, it is a him, for the rest of this series until Thanksgiving. We'll be talking about this character. Who is it? I'll tell you in a minute. Don't be guessing just quite yet. But the introduction to this character is beautiful. You know, like a well-written uh, book, piece of fiction, or a good movie will introduce a character and waste no words. Like, like there are seven verses here that introduce this character, and it's just, wow, this, this says, it just jumps right into the story. Like a good filmographer will we'll call that uh, getting rid of the shoe leather. It's like a saying they have in film. That you just jump right into the story, and you take it from there. And so like uh, every good storyteller telling a story, this is just good storytelling for this character who we're going to look at today. It's like this scene, uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite films, <clears throat> and then you're probably going to judge me because you're like, why, why would that be your favorite film? You're a pastor. Why should that? It's not a dirty film. It is a dumb film, and you're going to judge me. You're going to look at me not the same anymore, but I really like the movie Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Some of you are rolling your eyes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Don't give an amen, but you can say yes. Thank you, Dina. Uh, so, so the opening 40 seconds of Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey pay, plays this character, Lloyd Christmas. Uh, there's a girl standing outside a bus stop. A limousine pulls up, and then brrr, window goes down. Jim Carrey's head pokes out. He's missing a tooth. He's got a funny little haircut. And he says, uh, I'm, I'm late to a lecture to the university uh, medical center. Can you give me the directions to the university? And she says, oh, yeah, sure. You take a left, then a right. She clearly has a European accent. But he says, my, that's a lovely accent. New Jersey. <laughs> and she says, Austria. And this buffoon doesn't know the difference between Austria and Australia. So he says, well, good I might Put another shrimp on the bobby. And she just says, let's not. And walks away. Those 40 seconds, you have everything you need to know about this buffoon Lloyd Christmas and about the movie. I'm making a comparison. If you will, you know, just, just let me make the comparison to the, the seven verses that introduce this character, who I haven't yet said his name. I'm about to say his name. We're talking about Elijah. Yes, Elijah. Number two, probably, in the Old Testament, as far as like Moses and Elijah are usually talked about as these great prophets of old. Who appears to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and did you know that the, the book, uh, the Old Testament, ends with a prophecy in the book of Malachi saying that someone in the spirit of Elijah is going to come again? Guess what the opening pages of the New Testament begin with? This guy preparing a way for Jesus in the wilderness who is compared to Elijah. 
Elijah is one of these great characters in the Old Testament, in all of the Bible, and we're going to talk about him a whole bunch. Today, through the rest of this sermon series, we're going to talk about this wonderful person that will really allow us to open the scriptures, look at him, and look at what God does in the life of his followers, and the life that he's, he, God's life is here. He is alive and well, and there's a lot to learn about God and about our own walk with God through this character, Elijah. So we're going to now read 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7, his introduction, and then we're going to read this story of Elijah interacting with this widow from Zarephath. So would you stand with me? 1 Kings chapter 17, this is verse 1. I'm going to break it up along the way as we go. It just begins with this. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. And we don't know where Tishbe is. In fact, it's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible except for Elijah's hometown. It's not like this famous ancient city. Uh, some scholars say, here's a nobody from nowhere. And then it says in Gilead, and he said to Ahab. So I told you, like this, the story just like opens up. It's nobody from nowhere talking to Ahab. Who is Ahab? Well, if you were reading the, the previous, or if you know your Old Testament a little bit, Ahab was mentioned in the chapter before, chapter 16, as Israel's king. And he is the worst of the kings. In fact, it, it literally says that. Ahab was more evil than any other king before him. So the story just opens up. Here's a nobody from nowhere. His name is Elijah. He's talking to the king. What's he saying? Here's the verse. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve. There will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Go eastward and hide. Everyone say hide. Hide in the Kiriath ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook I have directed the ravens. This is an interesting story. I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kiriath Ravine, east of the Jordan, stayed there. Ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So here's a prophet, nobody from nowhere, this scene of him hiding, not in the Jordan, but the, some random ravine east of the Jordan, and I don't know how much food ravens can bring you in the morning or night, but it's probably not much. He's, this is a sad scene, and then it says the brook dries up. Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him. We're about to enter a second story here. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he's getting an upgrade from ravens to a person. So he went to Zarephath, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so, my, so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out and bring me a piece of bread. And then we hear this woman's story. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replies, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a very, I mean, just a sad scene. She's, she's in a famine. She has no food. There's, the water's dried up. Crops have not been growing. And all she has is a handful of flour. And this story comes out. She has nothing to give, nothing to eat even for herself. And Elijah said to her three words, the, the three most common uh, commands. Th these, these words, this command makes up the most common command in the Bible. That's what I want to say. Don't be afraid. Go home, do as you've said, but first make me a small loaf of bread for me uh, of what you have and bring it to me that, and then make something for yourself and your son. And then here's the promise, verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, this, this story is fascinating. A, a promise given to a woman who is, uh, has nothing. She has nothing but a handful of flour. 
And a promise is given that, that she's, you're going to provide for her. And she responds with, with making bread for, for the prophet who's giving this word. Lord, may we be quick to give, quick to know that you are providing for us, quick to know your love and your life is inside of us. It's all around us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shout it. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Uh, let's talk about this guy, Elijah, right? Do you know what his name means? Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. That's his name. He's a Tishbite from Tishbe, a nobody from nowhere. We're not really sure where that's at. And the story just jumps right in with him talking to the king. Now, how in the world did he get an audience with the king? Like, we, we don't have kings, we have presidents. But whoever the president is, you can't just go and meet with the president, right? Like, you can't, you, no, you're not, you have to be somebody. And so how Elijah, this nobody from nowhere, got a, a meeting with the king, I don't know. And what he says is, it's not going to rain until I say so. If you were King Ahab, what would you be thinking? Like, who is this guy? Get, get this guy out of here. Who is this? Like, well, who in the world... Who says that it's not going to rain until they say so? Get this guy out of here. Get him out of my office. Get him out of my room. Get him out of the palace. Get him out of the throne room. Get this guy out of here. And then, guess what happens? It, it doesn't rain. So I often wonder, like I put myself in these stories and wonder, like how many days of no rain was it before Ahab was like, hey, uh, where's that guy? <laughs> like, is it months you know, we know from, from the end of the story that it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Was it a year of no rain? And Ahab is like, hey, remember that guy that was in here a little while ago, said it wasn't going to rain? Yeah, get him back. Like, what is going on? It hasn't rained. Maybe this guy is up, like, maybe this guy is somebody and we need to go find him. And then we pick up the story where Elijah is hiding. Probably because he's afraid, because Ahab is a very evil person. He's hiding in a ravine, then he gets upgraded, he goes to Zarephath, Zarephath, and there he finds this woman who God says, this woman is now going to provide you with food. But I want to paint the picture that this, this are very hard times. We consider Israel right now, the state that they're in, in war. There are people without food. There is, there is great fear in Israel right now. Back in the day, there was great fear in this story. The, the, the fact that it had not rained in a long time meant there was no crops. No crops meant there was no food. There was a famine in the land, and people were afraid. And when people are afraid, they do very drastic things. But I want to tell you today that even though maybe your life is, is, is a, at some place where you're just wondering, like, is the Lord going to provide in a situation? What's the Lord doing I want to encourage you that God provides. That's the title of this sermon. And the first point within this sermon is give in faith. I want to look at the story of this widow and Elijah's conversation with her to show us that, that we give in faith. That's what the people of God do. They give in faith. Um, I'm going to challenge you. And I, I want you to uh, hear this challenge. And then at the end of the sermon... I'm going to come back around and encourage you. So this, this sermon has both an encouragement and a challenge. And I want you to receive this challenge knowing that God is love, knowing that uh, God is full of grace. God is full of mercy. And, and the challenge has to do with, you know, whenever you talk about someone's pocketbook, you're, you're, you're usually challenging people because the pocketbook and the heart are very connected. And oftentimes in church, people talk about, you know, money and giving, and there's certainly been abuses of that. And sometimes people are really turned off by uh, people talking about giving. And as a pastor, like, it's hard for me to, to, to talk about giving. It's hard for me to challenge you, but I see this so clearly in the text, and I want to open up the word of God for you and talk about giving. Um, there's a stat, and many of you are probably aware of this, that the more you make, the more wealthy you become, uh, the less in percentage most people give. Do you know that stat? Like, like you often see like really rich people giving like huge million dollar check to some organization to, to help children or fight the climate change or this or that. You're like, wow, that person, that famous person who is so wealthy gave a million dollars. Wow, that's amazing. But then you look at like, well, they're this wealthy. That's really, and, and they, you know, they're a billionaire. What's a million to a billion? Uh, and you do the math and you're like, that's, 
you know, whatever gift they gave, that's, that, is that, that's, I mean, that's like me, you know, giving someone a couple dollars. That's not that big of a deal. What, what I'm saying is the more, it seems as though the statistic is usually true, that the more you make, the less of a percentage you give. And here's where, you know, as a church, we're, we're often, we, we often talk about this thing called the tithe. And I remember hearing about the tithe for the first time. I mean, like, what is that? What, what is that? Well, it's the Old Testament principle of giving a 10%. And so if you had brought in crops or eggs or whatever it is, you know, you, you did for a living, you would give back to the Lord uh, 10%. And this carries on to the New Testament where people bring to the church a, a tenth. In fact, uh, there's usually people bringing a lot more than that through the book of Acts and the New Testament. People brought uh, all they had. Or Jesus said, hey, go sell everything. Or you meet someone and they sell half of everything and they give it to the poor. And so these percentages, I think a tenth is what I often talk about. It's like, oh, that's a great starting point. That's a great Old Testament idea of, of what you should be giving to the Lord. A tenth of all you bring in. And if the church gave a tenth, uh, man, consider, like as, as a pastor, thinking and considering the numbers uh, our church is maybe a little better than a national average, but usually, you know, somewhere between like, uh, I don't know, as far as percentages go, usually about six or seven times what the church should be bringing in is missing. And so uh, I, I could just, you know, in my head, like if you looked at the average salary around here and you counted up how many families-ish we have, said, okay, what's that 10%? Uh, we should be at a church having maybe five or six times what we're bringing in. And that's, that's actually a little better than the national average. But in my mind, I'm like, wow, can you imagine the kingdom work we could do with five or six times the amount we have? Like maybe we could put in an elevator so we could like get people up here. Maybe if you look outside, there's like, a, there's like the, <laughs> our water fountains leaking. Or maybe like the ministries, like the, the global mission trips or the missionaries that we could support. Like in my mind as a staff person and a couple other our staff members are in here, like we're always talking, like we have a very excited staff about dreaming and thinking, what, what could the Lord do, this or that? And usually the only thing holding us back is, well, we don't have the budget for that. Anyways, that's the challenging piece of the talk I wanted to give you. I want to encourage you with the rest of the sermon, but I wanted to say that, like, like give, give to the Lord. And, and here's often, you know, maybe what you're thinking in your head, but what if I don't have anything to give? This story answers that. There's other stories, like the widow's might in, in the text of the New Testament. There's the teachings of Jesus on, on give everything away, sell it to the poor. They're very radical, challenging teachings in the Bible. You ever notice that? The Bible challenges us. Um, and, and when it comes to money, like the Lord really challenges us. So here's point number two. Let's talk about the story of Elijah and the widow. Point number two is give in faith even when you have nothing to give. And why, how could you give when you have nothing to give? Well, the title of the sermon that, that some of you amen to was that God always provides. So how can you give when you have nothing to give? Well, because God is the one who provides what you're going to give. Elijah says to this woman, the three words, do not fear. And I think there's, there's a lot of fear involved with, with money and giving that I don't want to give because what if I need it later? But if you're trusting in the Lord, well, then you can give because you know the one who provides it. Think about this story. Elijah shows up and this woman says that she's collecting sticks to go make a handful of flour, a little bit of bread, so that her and her son may eat it and then, and then die. And we see in the story, this is all this woman has left. Matt, would you hand me, there's a little piece of bread there. Throw that up here. The, my wife made this bread yesterday. Uh, she didn't cook it outside with sticks and a fire. We had an oven. She cooked in the oven. Uh, but, and this is, I cut off the little end of it. And I was like, this, this, is, this is probably representative of a handful of flour making this much bread. Would you agree? So this woman may, might have, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, this is like this woman's savings account. This is all she has left. Does she have anything? No, she's got nothing. She's got a piece. Like, what is this worth? It's a couple cents, like, to us. Like, this is all this woman has. And Elijah gives her a promise. He said, God 
is going to provide. That, that jar of oil that you have and that uh, container of flour, it is not going to empty. Somehow, miraculously, it's like the, the loaves and the fishes in the New Testament. There's a lot of parallels between Jesus and Elijah. That the Lord is going to provide for you. And this woman believes it. She hopes in it. She, she knows that to be true. And the first act of her faith is to do what? Is to take some of this bread and give it to Elijah, the prophet. It's like an immediate test. It's like, do you, do you believe that the Lord can provide? Well, then here's the test. Make me a little piece of that loaf. This is all this woman had left in her life. She's, you know, a widow in the ancient world was, was someone who had no family, no one to take care of her. Ancient world, women couldn't go out and just work like people can now. And she has a son. We're going to find out later that this son is sickly. And so here she is taking care of a son. She has nothing. In the world of a famine, this woman is going to be one of the first to die. She is going to, she is going to starve to death before anyone else because she has nothing. And all she has is a little bit of flour. And Elijah says, the Lord's going to provide for you. And if you believe that, here's the test. Go make me a little loaf of that bread. And then do what you said. Eat it. Give it to your son. And you're going to see a miracle played out before your very eyes. The flour is not going to run out. The oil is not going to run out until it rains again in Israel. Do not fear is what Elijah tells this woman. And, and I don't know who needs to hear this today. Maybe you're in here today just considering these words, thinking about this metaphor of this woman, the story that happened in the ancient world. And you're like, maybe in some ways, you're like that widow. You're wondering, is the Lord going to provide? Well, I have good news. He is going to provide. And, and maybe th there's gonna be a test that goes along with that. That if you really believe the Lord is gonna provide, maybe he's gonna call you to give. Maybe to give pretty radically. I don't know what percentage of, of the wealth this woman gave away when she gave all that she had left, a piece of all that she had left, but it's huge. It's a huge percentage of what she has. She gives it to this prophet who is declaring her a good news that God is going to provide. This last point is this. I wanna tie it back into Jesus and then we're gonna come to the table. We're gonna receive communion. But Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. In John chapter six, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And he says, your, your forefathers ate of the manna. Remember that manna story in the, in the Old Testament where manna falls from the sky and people collect it and people eat it. Your forefathers ate that manna and they were hungry again and they're all gone from us. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life and if you eat the bread I give, you'll never be hungry again and you will never die. These are the words of our Savior, Jesus, who says he is the bread of life. And the mystery of communion that we engage in, we're, we're gonna come forward, we're gonna receive the bread, we're gonna see, receive the cup, we're gonna receive this mystery that Jesus says he is the great provider. He is the one that's gonna take care of your every need. And if you eat of this bread, you, you walk with Jesus, you receive him, then you'll never be hungry again and you will never die. This is the promise in the word of God. And I wanna pray this over you. Would, you. would you stand with me this morning? I want you to consider these words that I'm saying. The band can come forward. If you're serving communion, would you come forward as well? Would you slow your heart down? Would you slow your mind down? Would you receive from the Lord right now? Lord, we pray to you and we consider this story where a prophet says that God provides. And it's to a woman that really needs to hear that word, really needs to be reminded that God will provide, that God cares for his servants. God cares for all of the earth. He is over it and he's in it. Lord, you are here and you are with us and you protect and you guide all of creation. Lord, we look at this story not just as an ancient text, but Lord, we, we're wondering, Lord, what are you gonna do in our lives? How are you gonna provide for us? And you say in the midst of those questions that you are the bread of life. You are the one who if we eat of you and you come inside of us, well, then we'll never be hungry again and we will never die. That's your promise to us. 
So Lord, we, we prepare our hearts now for communion, to come through, to receive the bread, to receive the cup, that we might know you, that we might know your provision inside of us in a re- very real way. So congregation, I invite you, we're gonna come from the, the front to the back, receiving the, these cups. The servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. Would you receive it? Would you um, take it back to your uh, chair where you're you're seated? And would you just hold it there? Would you wait? We're all gonna receive it together. I'll I'll give some instructions. I'll come back up after the song is over. We'll receive the bread together. We'll receive the cup together. But this is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. This is the, the, the broken body, the cup, his blood poured out for us, his body broken for us. Would you come? Would you receive?
the bread with me and remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. This is my body broken for you. And I have a word for some of you in here that are hungry in a, in a way that, that you're needing something in this life. You're looking to the Lord for your provision. You're looking to the Lord for some situation that, that you need him to provide in. And the good news is that his body is broken for us. He says, this is real food. Would you eat this? This is the mystery of my body broken for you. Would you receive the bread with me? Jesus also took a cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And all of us walk in here with, with sin and, and heaviness, knowing that this week or this day or this year has not been good. You've, you've made mistakes. This is the cup of salvation. This is a cup of forgiveness. This is Christ's blood shed for you. Would you remember that and drink it with me? So Lord, we, we stand here and we, we pray. We, we thank you for these gifts. It's your body broken for us, your blood shed for us. Lord, we, we thank you. We, we're waiting for you to provide for us in our lives that we might be a blessing. We might take your provisions and we might give. Lord, if you test us in this, Lord, may we come to you with arms wide open, knowing that you're giving to us, knowing that we can hold out our hands and say, Lord, this is all yours. Your blessings are inside of us. May you receive them back, Lord. Do with them whatever you need. So, Lord, we praise you. We thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, as you leave from here today, a couple announcements. If you would like prayer, I'll be down here. A team of people will be down here to pray for you and with you. You guys can come down now. If you want prayer, come down. If you're new or newish to New Life Manitou, you're not on Manitou's email list. Uh, that's kind of how we keep in touch. You can do the QR code on the back of your chairs or outside. There's, there's a paper version of the same thing. It's a guest card. If you're just visiting, you can fill that out as well. We have a gift for you that we want to give you today just for attending and, and coming today. Uh, a couple more announcements. Well, we did make this announcement already, but tomorrow night, Sound Minds right here in the, in the room that the middle schoolers were in. We'll be right here at 6.30. Come and, and see what the Bible has to say about mental health. We would love you to come to this first one just to check it out. Um, this Thursday, if you're a volunteer, lots of volunteers, if some of you are like, how do you get on the volunteer team? There's an application online. We would love to have you serve. Lots of different opportunities for you to serve. But this Thursday, is a volunteer gala for you. And uh, hopefully you already know all about it if you're on the volunteer team. Hopefully we'll see you there. Uh, let's see, the missions table. So right back as you leave, Jessica and Matthew are back there. If you have questions about missionaries we support or hey, what other trips? We have 16 trips going uh, out of new life this, this uh, coming year, 2024. We'd love to get you more information about uh, all those kinds of things. Have a conversation with them as you leave. And, and finally, mark your calendars, November 14th, we're going to do a live recording right here of Manitou original songs. So put that on your calendar. I'm going to ask for a hundred percent attendance. So if you're a part of New Life Manitou, be here that night, November 14th. So let me pray a blessing of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.